Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast. Today, my guest is Kara Burns, and I'm so excited to bring her here today. Kara and I met about three months ago, and it feels like we've been friends for about three years. And my lesson in meeting Kara is to make sure that we never judge a book by its cover. We never know somebody's backstory, their trials, their tribulations, their struggles. And so that was my lesson. Kara in her early 20s got mixed up with drugs and ended up being addicted to meth and was in and out of prison and eventually landed in federal prison for two years. And Kara talks about how being in prison wasn't the hard part, but actually getting out of prison was. She was released to a halfway house and people within her home and um, her room were dealing drugs. They were doing drugs and it was just a really toxic environment. Kara was working two jobs, but she definitely had a hard time finding employment and finding housing. There's always that checkbox about if you've committed a crime. And when Kara got out, she didn't have the skills that she needed to go and seek jobs. She was missing her teeth. She didn't have those skills. And it was a lot of judgment that she had to face and overcome. This is a story of resilience of the human spirit. Kara is the most bright and beautiful person, and she lives her life now with intentionality and gratitude, and you'll see that. She is so bright, and she is so beautiful, and she came so far. And this is not to say that her work is done, because she's still working on herself, as we all are. But man, this is the resiliency of the human spirit and what we can overcome when we set our intention to become better people. So I hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast, a place to explore possibility through mindfulness, movement, and self-discovery. Our intention is to deliver insight and inspiration while fostering conversations that are genuine, unfiltered, and deeply human. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hi, Kara. Good morning. I'm so happy to see your beautiful face this morning. Hi. Good morning, Nikki. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the Connected Community Podcast. I'm so happy to talk to you and have you share your story with me. And I know I approached you. Um, and so this is new for you telling your story and, and podcasting. So I um, want to applaud your willingness to do this and your bravery. <laughs> Oh gosh, of course. I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. And Kara, you and I, we've known each other for like three months and it feels like three years or ten years. I feel like we got fast and friendly really quickly and dove really deep into our relationship. Um and I just adore you and love you. And um and part of the lesson for me was not <clears throat> to judge a book by its cover, because um you know, when you meet people, you never know their backstory and you never know the depths of the human that they are. And um, that's been like a little bit eye opening for me is hearing your story and um, and not having awareness about that. But now realizing your story makes you who you are and there's such depth to you. So I want to start back maybe 10, 12 years ago. Is that where your story kind of starts or is it way earlier than that? You know, first, I want to really acknowledge you for sharing in a vulnerable place, um, you know, not judging a book by its cover. I think that that has been a big fueling piece for me and my purpose and my mission in sharing my story the way that I do. Um, 
<clears throat> you wouldn't, if you met me on the street, if you met me in the store, if you met me at a retreat, if you worked alongside of me, unless I shared with you what my background is and the things that make me who I am, you would never know. And then once I share those things, I think, and I'm not on the other side of it, so I can only guess, but my hope is that it does exactly what it did for you, which is think to yourself, oh gosh, you know, who else, who else am I, you know, maybe judging or, or seeing in a different way. Right. Um, you know, with, with jumping right into the story, you wouldn't look at me and go, oh, well, that's a, a former meth addict or that's someone who's been, you know, federally incarcerated. Um, but I am, you know, I struggled in addiction, um, for over 18 years and, and it's a, such a huge part of my story and who I was in the past. And I love the opportunity to break down some of those stereotypes. So thank you for that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my story, it starts a little longer than, you know, 10 years ago. Um, <clears throat> my story probably starts when I was a teenager. I started uh, drinking alcohol probably at about the same time we all started drinking alcohol, you know, as a teenager. Mm -hmm. but it affected me in a different way. Um, I immediately recognized that it took me to a place that was comfortable and outside of what was happening in my day to day and continued on a drinking journey. And that eventually led me to cocaine, which in my early twenties, uh, led to meth, which took me to shooting meth. Oh my goodness. I was, Stealing, um, homeless, didn't care, in and out of jail uh, on a very regular basis uh, in my early 20s. And kind of by the grace of God, ended up getting pregnant when I was 24 years old. And a bigger part of my story that I share from a place of vulnerability is that I continued to use while I was pregnant with my daughter. I didn't have support, control. I, I couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't stop and was arrested about four or five months into my pregnancy. Again, by the grace of God mm -hmm. was released from, it was my, I think it was my first felony when, when I was arrested that time and was what released. What were you arrested for, Kara? I was re uh, arrested for theft. I cashed mm -hmm. a counterfeit check. Because mm -hmm. you just needed anything to get the meth, right? I mean, it's so addictive that you needed to do whatever you needed to do to get that. I, in that particular time, I was using that money to bond my daughter's father out of jail. Mm. So that's why I chose to do that on that grand of a level. But yeah, it didn't matter. You know, I, I very much was doing things that I would have never done. I was in the cycle of addiction. Mm -hmm. I was in the cycle of addiction. And when I was released to a halfway house and my um, daughter's father got clean throughout that time as well. And we came together in 2003, October of 2003. Um, it's as I'm emotional as I'm talking about it because my daughter's birthday is in a few days. Mm. She's, um, she'll be 20 years old. So this was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we were clean and sober and we started a life. <clears throat> we got married. Wait, how did you get clean? That's an incredible thing to become clean from. I've, I've gone through moments of um, being clean and sober. Mm-hmm. I've gone through through points. That particular time, I was clean from meth, but I was I continued to drink. Mm-hmm. So I went for six months after my daughter was born and I didn't drink. And then I had my first drink about six months after she was born. I didn't have the emotional sobriety. I didn't have support systems. I also still thought that I could drink, which mm-hmm. is a huge part of the challenge for my disease. And stayed clean for meth for about four years, decided to um, split from my husband, my Ansley's, my daughter's name is Ansley. Mm-hmm. And uh, we split up. And um, I was high on meth within a very short amount of time after that. And there's a saying for people who struggle with addict- addiction issues. And when you stop, do- stop doing, when you stop using, and then you start again, you go right back to the place that you were, the darkness that you were when you stopped the last time. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. I started uh, dating a man who was selling quite a bit of meth and I ended up losing my job, one of many throughout my, my struggle with substances. And so I started selling meth and that progressed to doing all kinds of things, uh, with him and for him that eventually, um, got me federally indicted. I was working, um, with the cartel with him. And specifically with, um, this gentleman's wife that got me indicted, uh, me. And what I mean by that is, um, I was absolutely guilty of what I was doing. I was Mm -hmm. making really bad choices and doing things that I would have never have done because I was strung out on drugs and Mm -hmm. feeding my addiction and was federally indicted for that and went to federal prison in, um, well, I was indicted in 2011 and I went to federal prison a year later and I did two and a half years. How old was your daughter when you went in? Ansley was seven years old when I got federally indicted. Uh, as you can imagine, it, it hit her very hard. Uh, her father relapsed uh, not long after I did and Ansley lived with um, her grandmother and then she was raised by her aunt and uncle. And it was very hard on her. Mm-hmm. Extremely were, hard. Were those two years when you were in prison, were you able to see her? No. Um, her, the feds had a phone hold on me. Um, they weren't very happy with me. <laughs> and so they had a, a phone hold on me and, and took me up to a holding facility in Nebraska. And I didn't have communication or, or anything with anyone. What was that like being in federal prison? It was a gift. You know, I couldn't get clean and sober on my own. And being taken out of the lifestyle that I was living was absolutely necessary. Um, not only was I using drugs and alcohol that took me to that place of getting indicted, but it was the choices that I was making, particularly inside of my relationships that 
really, you know, created turmoil, you know, codependency. And I always would choose um, drugs and alcohol and men over anything else in my life and, and particularly unhealthy men. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, created a really hard lifestyle for me. Um, and so federal prison was a gift for me. It was a gift. Mm-hmm. It, it was a gift. It was hard. You know, it was prison. Mm-hmm. I will say, this is going to sound awful, but I'm going to say it. Uh, if you're ever going to get in trouble, you definitely want to get federally indicted because um, <laughs> the feds have money. And so there was lots of programming and the food um, the food was good and, um, there was opportunity mm-hmm. and I took advantage of that opportunity as much as I possibly could and was released in 2013, a different woman. I was absolutely a different woman. Something that, uh, that I, that I has been hitting me a lot lately is, what it was like when I was released from federal prison, because federal prison was a lot easier than mm-hmm. being released the way that I was back into society with nothing. Um, I am a white woman with privilege and my teeth were messed up at that time. I've had full, full dental work done, but you could absolutely tell that I was a math addict when I was, when I was released from federal prison and I couldn't get a job. You know, no one would employ me. I had a halfway house as my home address and uh, I didn't think that I had marketable skills and it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely terrifying. And the barriers, it was just barrier after barrier after barrier. Um, you have, I had to want to succeed. I had to have a fire in my soul mm-hmm. or I wouldn't have made it, which is why the recidivism rate is above 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard. It's hard. You have to want it. So I mean, they had programs and um, support in federal prison, but then they, they kind of did and they didn't, or did they not prepare you for what it would be like? Did they have any life skills classes? Like how, what did they oh, offer? Sure. Absolutely. They, there were all kinds of academic, you know, lots of academic information, mm-hmm. but actually being released and having hundred dollars to my name to a halfway house with women who aren't making the same choice as I was. They were drinking, hiding meth in our closet. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get clothes to go interview for a job and learn how to speak about having the background that I had. It was hard. Um, mm. still not any communicate, uh, communication really with my daughter. Um, during that time, my, uh, her guardians chose to protect her rightfully so. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was challenging. And I had shifted from all the negative associations that I had because I knew that that was, I knew that that was what was pulling me down. And so I didn't have any friends. It was very lonely. You know, it was very lonely. Um, there's so much beauty in the opportunity to start over. Mm-hmm. I know that now but it was hard. It was much harder being released from prison than it was being in prison. When you were in prison, do you feel like you had a support network and a community within that system? Or did you feel lonely and isolated there as well? You know, I mean, I'm, I lived with 1200 other women. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Uh, you know, you make friends, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I, I made friends inside and it's, it's really what you have that keeps you going. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. So then when you come out and you go into a halfway house, you never picture a halfway house being full of people dealing meth. Um, how does that, how does that happen? How do they get away with that? If you want to make bad choices, you can make bad choices. You know, eventually people get caught, but their desire for change wasn't, wasn't very high. Mm-hmm. So you've got people whose desire for change is high and then people, you know, everybody on the spectrum, but yeah. The challenging part is if your desire for change is high and you're yoked up and living with people whose desire for change isn't very high. It was a very rough six months. I was very grateful when I was released, and that would have been in February of 2014. I got my own apartment, and I still didn't have a car yet. I rode my bike everywhere. How did you get an apartment at that point you were working? I had two jobs and still uh, hadn't, didn't have enough money to put down the deposit in first month's rent. Uh, even though I had saved everything that I had had for six months, mm-hmm. my dad was alive at the time and he helped bridge that gap for me. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, again, another lucky happenstance for me. You know, if you don't have those resources, it's challenging. You know, I don't, I, I don't know where I would have ended up, you know, and even just finding an apartment that would rent to me, no one would rent to me because I was a felon. I mean, it's, it was challenging. Uh, but again, that's on every application, right? Every job application, every yeah. housing application. And so I'm sure that you faced a lot of judgment and that would have been hard. I did then. Uh, it's fun now. I think it's fun now when I face the judgment, but it's still there. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to me. Um, even with some of the successes that I've had and, and, and the confidence that I have and who I am now, it's interesting to watch, but I'm, I'm much more comfortable in my skin now. Before, it was just like, well, there's something wrong with me. There's not anything wrong with me. And now when you face that judgment, what does it feel like to you? What is it when, when you see it? How does it, how does it show its head? Um, you know, a lot of it's uh, oftentimes related to meth addiction. Um, meth addiction and then just being, being a felon. And it affects me a lot less today than it used to affect me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been so open about my story in an effort to normalize these conversations about folks who struggle with meth addiction, folks who've been to federal prison, folks who have relapsed, um, you know, all of those things just to normalize the conversation because we're all going through something. And I used to think it was just me. I was like, oh, it's just my, my view was here. And it's not just, you know, we all have stuff. You know, it's not that somebody's story is meth addiction or prison or abandoning their daughter, but it's something, you know, mm-hmm. and there's always that ingratiating piece of we've, we're, we're going through something. And, and that's really the point is the triumph over that. I, mm-hmm. I just thought I was the only one. I think I was probably pretty self-centered in that, in that capacity. I'm the only one. I'm not the only one, you know, we're all going through something. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's super common to have that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So how were you able to make that shift to finding your confidence and finding your footing and finding support and building a community? Like how did that process unfold? I started to get very active and engaged in how do I meet people? So I joined a running group and started running marathons and I joined this group and I joined that group and I met all of these amazing people throughout the eight years that, um, I was clean and sober for eight years, but I wasn't involved in any kind of supporting program. And that still showed up in my emotional stability, if you will. 
So I had a job and I went to school and I did all these great things. Um, but my relationships were still a, a train wreck because I didn't have that spiritual healing inside of me. Um, if you will. And it took a relapse a little over four years ago that propelled me into a place of desperation because I never in a million years after being in federal prison would have thought that I would have ended up using again. Never. I just, it was never going to happen to me, Mm -hmm. but it, it did happen to me, you know, through a series of hanging around with this person and hanging around with this person and, um, and, was in a job where I was working from home and uh, was, which at that point was very uncomfortable for me. And it was one, you know, small little steps in this direction instead of small little steps in this direction. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a support program. I was desperate enough at through that relapse and it happened very quickly. I had a few drinks and then I had a needle in my arm. And so it was very quick. Mm. And I had some amazing friends, my running friends who, stole my insurance card and got me into a rehab. Uh, within 12 hours, I was on a plane because they were, they were saying, Carrie, you know, you need to go to rehab. And I'm like, I've done this a million times. I've got this. They were like, no, you don't. And how did they find you? Kara? <clears throat> how did, did you reach out to them? How did they find you and, and help you? I had been high on meth for a week and I called uh, my friend and I said, I've, I've been using for a week and I'm scared. And I had a visit with my daughter that Sunday and I knew that I had to get clean so that I could go see my daughter. And I called my friend and asked her for, I was like, can I please come stay with you? I've got to get out of my apartment and I need some place to stay. So I called two close friends and I went to go stay with my friend and, um, they came and met me at my friend's house and talked to me into going to a meeting, and <clears throat> which I was absolutely 100% against. What wonderful, beautiful friends I have. And I was on a plane to rehab, and I, I went to rehab, and it was just wonderful. It was, a, it was, again, a fresh start for me. And it was I was desperate enough because I knew where that path was going to take me, and it was very close. Mm-hmm. And that relapse was the springboard for, I would say, just this big, huge shift in my life that's happened over the last, um, well, four years. It's been absolutely beautiful. It made me dig deep inside of myself. I became very interested in not only my sobriety in the sense of, um, for me, I, I'm very connected to a program that helps me uh, not only with community, but a way of life and a way of living that helps keep me on track. And alongside of that, I got just obsessed. uh, That's the only word I can use with mindset and the way that my brain works and how I can control my day to day with my thoughts. And that's just shifted everything for me. So along with the, what I would call emotional sobriety of making better choices with my associations and relationships, I haven't been in an unhealthy relationship since. Um, I value myself too greatly to, to just shift and back into that, that level of, um, maybe darkness. And I've, (laughs) the word is definitely obsessed. I mean, I'm program after program, after program, book, after book, after book, after book of how can I continue to build 
my thoughts and manifest my life around me because I control. That was the biggest, that's been the biggest, just like, is I control my reality. You know, my life isn't happening to me. You know, I, I'm controlling everything around me with my thoughts has just been this most mind blowing experience for me and really embracing that and embracing and taking that into my daily habits um, has been absolutely the, the best gift that life has ever given me. You know, those things that have, you know, manifesting and this, you know, the yoga and moving my body and visioning and, and really feeling into what do I want in my life and, I didn't know what I, you know, I thought that life was just happening to me and it never, it it doesn't. So today, fast forward, I'm, I work for this amazing company. I have this beautiful career. I enjoy a wonderful salary that I'm able to do the things that I want to do and share with my daughter and be a, a source of healthy support for her as she struggles through some of the things that she struggles through. And I think that that's the best gift at this point, I'm 45 years old, that life is giving me is the opportunity to share with her, you know, the life, this beautiful life, you know, what a gift it is that I get to be here by the grace of God, supporting my daughter in a healthy way. It, you know, even though I had been through all the things that I've been through, there is no guarantee that I'm going to be a healthy mother, which is my greatest desire in life, mm-hmm. is to provide that maternal, love, unconditional love for her and, and be a model for, yeah, we've been through this. This has been hard. And people are going to judge you and me for this because they do. They do. Mm-hmm. But, but this is how we act, right? We show them love. And that's big. You know, that's the biggest gift that I can show her is, yeah, people are going to judge you and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hurt, hard and it's going to hurt. But we can show them love through that. And I know that some of it rubs off because when she's telling me stories about things, she'll, she'll repeat my words back to me. And in my brain, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what a gift. You know, what a gift, what a gift that is. Mm-hmm. Um. So thank you for letting me share that about, uh, you know, what's going on in my day to day. It's, it's, it's been, you know, eye opening for me to realize that it's that close and that I just, I'm more committed ever than ever to, to being a healthy source of support for my daughter. How was it rebuilding that relationship? I mean, it almost feels like you've had so much distance, um, when you're incarcerated that, you had to refine each other. You had to kind of figure out your path again together. How did that unfold? Uh, it's, it's been beautifully hard and it's not over yet. Um, you know, she, we've been able to create a beautiful relationship. Um, she really struggles quite a bit with some abandonment feelings and has struggled with her own substance challenges and, It's ongoing. And the, 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 again, the greatest gift that I've been given is just the opportunity to be a part of her daily life mm-hmm. and, and a source of support for her. Yeah. And then she's able to open up and share. Yeah. 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 I think that the, the greatest opportunity that we're giving, given as women is to be a mother and 
in so many ways, I carried this negative energy about that because I felt like I had ruined it. Um, and I'd love to tell you that, you know, that I'm, that's fully gone. I can't change the past. Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a dramatic story and, and you've kind of gotten the cliff notes, but as you can imagine, if you filled in some of those lines, I mean, it's a very, very dramatic story and has caused quite a bit of trauma in her life. And the opportunity to come out on the other side of that and to be healthy source of support for her um, is what this whole life is about for me is I can't change the past, but I am writing this future with her right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters. And more than anything else in the last decade that's happened or that I've done in the last, since I've been released from prison, that's what I'm most proud of is the, the model and, and showing her, that it's absolutely possible to overcome the stigmas and overcome whatever challenges that are, are happening. It's mm-hmm. not, we do not have to settle for what people think of us. Mm-hmm. Do you think that she gets judged by people um, when she tells her story? Yeah, she does. Yeah. I think that's the hardest part for me is you know, my choices, how they directly, you know, affected my daughter. Mm -hmm. Didn't know, no, no, then what I know now. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the hardest part for me. You -hmm. know, they absolutely did. And we affect our children in different ways. Even when you're healthy parents, you know, you're, we're all affecting our children. I affected my child in a very dramatic way. Um, And she does get judged for it. Um, She's also, she's had some, some, I'm I'm not going to, you know, go into her her story, that's hers to tell. But, um, again, I think the greatest gift that I can give her is, is that unconditional love peace. Absolutely. No matter what, mm-hmm. you know, I am here for you. And, you know, I, I was lucky in the sense that I received that from my parents. I didn't feel it when it was happening. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Gen X baby. <laughs> you know, we were, we were left to, to raise ourselves. And so when I was going through it, I didn't, I didn't know it, but at the end of the day, I could always count on my parents. And really that's, that's a big deal. And now both your parents are deceased. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. My mom passed away, uh, this a few months ago and my dad passed away, uh, five years ago. And I'll tell you what, through losing my parents, that's been a beautiful gift of reconciliation with both of them. And just understanding, I, another one of life's beautiful gifts that I've been given. Mm-hmm. So when you have those like moments when days are just really dark and things are really hard and negative thoughts <clears throat> creep in, what, what are some of the tools that you use to switch that for you? I always go back to what my vision and what, what, my, what my goal and my purpose is. And that always switches the feeling in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I just stop negative thoughts before they get going, right? And I can mm-hmm. feel it when it happens. And it's, that's been an ongoing journey for me is, is identifying, nope, and I can feel it. You know, I can tell immediately. I'm like, oh, the feeling is off. Um, and so I just switch it and I switch it to the positive. And I'm very focused on in the moment, whatever I'm experiencing, experiencing something, the most beautiful thing, and just being this deep sense of gratitude and that in and of itself has been absolutely transformational Mm -hmm. for me. Um, I've seen a lot of the manifestations 
that over and over and over again, things that I have, you know, written down and keep happening and happening just through feeling in that place of what feels better right now. Mm -hmm. Or when I think a negative thought about someone, I'll, I'll immediately adjust it to something positive about them, something beautiful about them, because Mm -hmm. that's just my ego, right? That's Mm -hmm. just my brain, you know, messing with me. And so learning those little tricks of life is what's been so transformational for me. Mm -hmm. You know, the sobriety piece is absolutely, it's paramount. It really is, you know, but along with that, and this is the part that I'm really passionate about figuring out a way to help women who are, who are incarcerated in halfway houses, um, struggling in some form of transition in their life, acquire information on mindset. We can, we can read it in books, but it wasn't until I attended programs and invested into myself where I really started to understand the material and how life-changing that's been for me. Mm-hmm. You know, the creator of our own world. I just didn't know what I didn't know. And I would love to bridge that gap. Uh, it's something I'm working on is just figuring out how to to be helpful in that way to women who don't have access to that information. Cause it's just, it's changed my, my everything, you know, it went, I've gone from, you know, we can, we can survive, you know, and I survived when I was released from incarceration and I did okay, but I wasn't thriving. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't, I didn't wake up every day, just amazed by the beauty of everything. And that's all come from, gratitude and love and my understanding of my purpose in this world and showing love and receiving love. And I guess it all builds on one another, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting when I hear you talk about this because when I think about mindset, that is a super powerful tool to change, to change our thoughts, but it almost sounds like avoidance. And I know that's not you um, because I've seen you face your fears and go into those uh, places of pain and and hardship and get through on the other side. And so how do you find the balance in that? Because um, there is something about honoring our feelings and and feeling them and going into them. And then there's also something about changing our thoughts and, and becoming more positive. Um, and I know that you honor those sides of yourself as well. So tell me how you balance that out. I would say I feel the emotions, you know, in a deep and impactful way, but I don't stay there. I don't let myself run down that hill. That's bullshit. I try not to. <laughs> Sometimes like, I do. <laughs> I'm like, hold, hold on. This is a journey. And it's it, the, the way that that came out sounded like I've got this all figured out. I don't. But I I can tell you enough, I've been doing this long enough now to where I can tell you that what it feels like when I've run down that, when I, I know when my, my thoughts have taken me down and I can, and I use my feelings as my barometer <clears throat> and I let myself experience and feel whatever I, whatever the thing is. But my goal now in this moment today is to I'll use this as an example. I'm off work this week. Um, I work a really high level, high stress job. And it's been a little bit challenging for me to calm down and just experience. And I woke up this morning and I immediately was like, what should I be doing? And and my brain starts to go and it's been 
interesting to just try to enjoy myself. I have the day off today. I'm just going to leisurely do this. I'm going to leisurely do that. But I saw myself with my thoughts um, going to just this place of not being extremely grateful for this moment of not being at work. And that's what I'm talking about is that moment where I'm just doing my life and I'm going through the things that I did this morning. And then I'm getting on this podcast with you. And then I'm going to go do this thing instead being in this deep place of gratitude for this moment that I get to connect with my beautiful friend. When I was eating breakfast before we got on, I'm blessing my food and I'm blessing my water and I'm thanking the people that made it. And instead of unconsciously going through my day, which is my norm, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm unconscious and I'm just doing, I'm just doing the things instead. I'm like being conscious and that's what my big focus is. And so to answer your question, I do feel the feelings. I and it's not just disconnecting so that I can be this happy-go-lucky person all the time. Rather, it's this loving kindness, gratitude place mm-hmm. for whatever I'm experiencing right now, whether I'm in a shit storm or a beautiful moment where I'm off or a hot spring or a hard conversation with a loved one. Being grateful for those things instead of in completely getting immersed in that negative feeling. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, I hear that word gratitude coming up a lot from you. And I feel like it's um, even gratitude in those dark moments. So you're having that conversation with that person. It's hard. It's like that's the realness of it, the gratitude of, of having the relationship and working through it and just kind of looking at that at that angle with all that you do. And it sounds like just being present. Um and it sounds like you're really in tune with your feelings and emotions. You're feeling it in your body and then you question it and you get curious about it and then you work with it. So it's not an avoidance because you are, you're feeling all the feels and then you're seeing like how you want to deal with it. And so it sounds like um, you're living in the very present moment and that's a huge gift. And then also I find like with a gratitude practice, it, 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 makes me when I'm doing a gratitude practice, be in the moment. It's like, what am I grateful for in this moment at this time? And that's a good reminder for me to go back to that gratitude practice um, a little bit more. So I thank you for that. <laughs> I, it's a, I, I was talking with a friend this morning who was reminding me about something that I was like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, it just, we all need that reminder of, of yeah. those things that just make us feel good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and being in the moment, because we do tend to, what am I going to do later and later and later and later? And some of us are living in the past um, and and obsessing about things that happened in the past. And then some of us are very future focused and we're always running towards the future and we're not in that present moment. And I think that we all have a tendency to run one way or the other. Mm. And so it's just to take those times to just stop and be in this moment right now. And yes. like, what am I feeling? What are my thoughts? What am I grateful for? Yeah. Yes. I dig it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. I mean, I have to admit when I, when I met you, I, I had some judgments that came up for me and, and I, I heard the word federal prison and my like little alarms went off and I'm like, Oh my God, like, I don't know anybody that's been to federal prison or that I know of. Um, and then I got to know you and I, like all those judgments melted away. Um, and so I can see how that's hard to, walk around, you know, in the world with, with this label, but then I also see how you've turned that label into a strength and it's made you who you are and it's made you stronger. And it's 
let you overcome adversity. And so it's taking some of those hard knocks and lessons and, and, and changing that mindset again, right? Like that's, that's how you have become this beautiful human that you are today. Um, and I'm glad I got past those, those judgments. Um, and I'm so happy to know you and have you in my life. And, and there's so many things I'm grateful for with our friendship. Um, but I, I, I see your struggle, where have you been and where you're, where you are now. And it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Oh, thank you so much. I, I, um, I don't ever, I, I actually, I don't know when people, you know, think, oh gosh, she's benefited. I don't, I'm not in other people's heads when I meet them. So it's always interesting when I hear that. Cause I'm like, how could you not just love me? <laughs> <laughs> But what right? a great but what a great opportunity because I'm never going to stop sharing those things about me. Um cuz it's part of who I am. You know, mm-hmm. it's part of who I am and it it's not like something that was small. We're talking about a a a, a major chunk of my life. So if you're if we're friends or if if we're getting to know one another, it's going to come up. It just is. You know, mm-hmm. it it just is. You know, and maybe one day it won't, but but now it's just part of who I am and my story. And so thank you for sharing that with me. And thank you for being so, um, you know, open-minded and loving about it. Mm -hmm. Ah, I love you, Kara. Thank you so much for chatting with me and, and for this time. I'm wondering if you have any like last little advice to share with my audience. Oh man. You know, You know what I would say? I, that little piece that I would say is, um, if you have a desire in your heart, follow your heart. You know, I've got something going on with me right now. And, and I think that that message is not only for other people, but it's for me as well. <clears throat> we get so wrapped up in our day-to-day lives with all the things that are going on and all the noise and the kids and, and our careers and our partners and, um, you know, oftentimes that whisper, whatever it is, it, it gets, it gets dulled. So if you have something whispering, I just want to encourage you to feel into that and meditate into it and, and, and listen, listen, listen to whatever that whisper is. Um, that would be, that would be what I would want to leave with your audience today, you know, is, is as we're in our daily lives, whatever, whatever that whisper is, just listen to it. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And I love you. <laughs> Um, are you open to, if people want to reach out to you, ask you questions, um, connect with you, are you open to that? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all the social medias, LinkedIn, all those things. Please. Absolutely. I'd love that. Okay. So send me those links and I'll put those in the show notes. And, um, I just appreciate your, your time and your openness and you're willing to come on here and share your story. I really appreciate it. Oh, big love. Thank you so much, Nikki. And I love your audience. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Connected Community Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe. I can be found at www.nikkyyoga.com, N-I-C-K-Y-Y-Y-O-G-A.com. Until I see you again next week, I hope you have a beautiful day.